I will be reading 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Good evening again and welcome to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence and we trust that today's been a profitable day for all. If you're visiting with us, we do encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're very grateful for the opportunity that we have tonight to be together, to worship God in spirit and in truth. We're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4 at verse 16 tonight, and we're going to be talking about the theme, Take Heed. Paul wrote to Timothy, his own son in the faith, and there is some very sage advice in both 1 and 2 Timothy the two books that Paul penned to this young evangelist in the faith. And in verse 16, what Paul has to say really carries what we might call quite a punch. And so I want us to think for just a moment or two about this theme, take heed. And the first thing that I call your attention to is the exhortation to take heed to self. Note, if you would, what Paul said in verse 16. Take heed to yourself. There is always the need to examine ourselves in light of God's teaching. There's a lot to be said for taking what we might call spiritual inventory. And certainly that's what Paul exhorts people of every age to do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 at verse 5, Paul, in writing to the saints in Corinth, said, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Spiritual inventory, taking spiritual inventory, is very helpful. It's very helpful for us, in a reflective way, to sit down and analyze our spiritual lives in light of the teaching of God in heaven. What are some things that you and I could take inventory of on a personal basis. Well, the first thing that I would call your attention to, to would simply be the word training. And this has to do with our spiritual training. Look, if you would, at verse 7. In verse 7 of chapter 4, Paul said, Exercise yourself rather to godliness. In verse 8, he said, Bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. How much time do you spend exercising your spiritual life? Many of us, we recognize the importance of physically exercising our body. We take a very proactive stand in trying to care for the physical body that God has blessed us with. Maybe we get up early in the morning and we walk. It might be that we close the day by walking in the evening. Or maybe we get on a treadmill every day. It might be the case that we lift weights and we understand that strength comes by way of resistance. Well, how much time do you spend not physically exercising your body, but spiritually exercising your inward man. We talk about spiritual exercise. 
and the training that is so necessary and vital to our well-being. It would encompass spending time in the Word of God. Certainly we need to saturate our mind with the will of God, worshiping God on a regular basis, being involved in the work of God. But there's a second thing that I would call your attention to, and really it coincides with this idea of training. This would have to do with the thirst, that is, your spiritual thirst. If you were to reflect upon your spiritual life and you begin examining the very inward man that God has placed within you and you take inventory of your spiritual training, well, what about your spiritual thirst? In the physical realm, if you exercise, if you go outside on a hot day and run or walk, if you go to the gym and you spend time lifting weights or get on a treadmill or whatever, one of the things that is a byproduct of your exercise is you are going to develop a thirst. In other words, you're going to get thirsty, aren't you? You want something to quench that thirst. Well, if you are spiritually exercising your inward man, that inward you, then one of the byproducts of that is going to be spiritual thirst. And by that, I would simply underscore the fact that you're not going to be able to get enough of God and His Word in your life. In Psalm 42, the psalmist said, As the deer pants after the water brook, even so pants my soul after you, O God. He said, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. The more you read the Word of God, the more time you spend developing your spiritual stamina, the thirstier you will get in, in this life, that is, in your spiritual life. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, if you examine your spiritual life and you step back and reflect upon your relationship to the Lord and you find yourself not desiring to read the Word of God, if you find it difficult to come to the worship services on a regular basis, it might be you're not putting enough emphasis into your spiritual training. You've got to be training in the Lord. The more you train your spiritual senses, the thirstier you will become for spiritual things, for God and His Word. Really, it develops this insatiable desire to draw closer to God. James said, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And so what we're trying to do is strengthen our relationship to the Lord. So by way of self-examination, first of all, we take inventory of our training. And then we ask the question, are we thirsty? Are we as thirsty for spiritual things as we should be? If we're not thirsty, then maybe we need to step up our training. But then there is a third thing that I would call your attention to. And this has to do with our trust in the Lord. How much do you trust the Lord? Now, Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not unto your own understanding. Do you trust the Lord in every facet of your life? Or do you find yourself sometimes making this statement? You know, I trust the Lord, but... Well, we have to trust Him, come what may. Look at verse 10, if you would, in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul said, For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach. Now note, because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. We must deepen our trust in Jehovah God. One of the things that I like about reading the letters of Paul is that it is absolutely, I guess just a truth beyond words, that the Apostle Paul trusted in Jehovah God. Here was a man that had his back to the wall on numerous occasions, and yet his trust was in the Lord God Almighty. When he wrote to Timothy in, in his second letter, Paul was facing death. As a matter of fact, he understood, he knew that the Roman Caesar would ultimately win the battle for his physical life. And so he could say, the time of my departure is at hand, I'm already being offered. So Paul knew death was on the horizon. And yet Paul could say, I have fought a good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Paul's trust was such in God that he understood even though the physical body may give way to death, that inward man, the soul of man, would be fine in the hands of God. What about you? Do you have that kind of trust in our Lord? And so, in looking to 1 Timothy chapter 4, first of all, Paul said, take heed to self. But then secondly, Paul said, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Now, this would have to do with the Scriptures. We're talking now about the Word of God, the doctrine of Jesus Christ. How well do you know the Bible? Do you have a deep, and abiding knowledge of God's Word. The only way that I know that you and I can come to really understand this book is by spending time in it. We have to develop an educational foundation in this book. Many people in our world today, their lives have run adrift or ashore because they have divorced themselves from this book. The psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. I am convinced that as God's people, we have to come to a deeper knowledge of God's word. As a matter of fact, I would suggest that there is no way that you could dichotomize yourself from the word of God and from the Lord. The two go hand in hand. In John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said, Then are you my disciples indeed, if what? If you follow my word. If we want to make sure that we are in harmony with the Lord, if, that we're walking in his footsteps, then what we have to do is make sure that our lives are built around, structured around 
God's holy word. Now, there are numerous exhortations in the Bible for us to read, to study, to take heed to the doctrine. I think about the danger of walking away from the doctrine of Jesus Christ. In 2 John 9, John said, Whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the teaching of Christ, in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. You and I, we have to begin our walk in the Christian religion by obeying the gospel. But once we begin that walk, then we must continue following the teaching of Jehovah God. How is it that you and I are going to deepen our knowledge of the Word of God? Well, we have to spend time in the Word every day. The psalmist said, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day in Psalm 119, verse 97. Again, we think about the words of Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He said, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Paul said, Till I come, give attention to what? To reading. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 34, verse 16, Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. I would challenge you, close every day by reading a section of Scripture. It won't take you very long. Get up in the morning and spend some time, some quality time, reading the Bible. It will help you draw closer to Jehovah God. And so, we think that, we think about the words of Paul. First of all, he said, take heed to yourself. Secondly, he said, take heed to the Scriptures. But then, thirdly, note what he says. Continue in them. The idea here is we need to be steadfast in our faith to Jehovah God. I simply think about the words staying power. It's not enough to begin the Christian religion. We have to stay the course. We have to be steadfast in the faith. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, Paul said, Be ye steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. You ever wondered why the Lord encourages us throughout the Scriptures to be steadfast, to continue in the faith? I think one of the reasons is because there is always the appeal of the world. There is always the challenge or the danger of falling prey to the devil, of walking away from the faith. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul speaks of Hymenaeus and Alexander. He said, these two men made shipwreck of their faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, he speaks of Hymenaeus and Philetus. He said, who concerning the truth have erred or strayed, teaching that the resurrection is already past. And he said, they overthrow the faith of some. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 21, Paul counsels against straying from the word of God. In 2 Peter chapter 3, at verse 17, Paul talks about being on guard, lest you be carried away with the error of the wicked. Over and over again, divine counsel to be steadfast in the faith, to stay true to God, to stay true to His teaching. 
So here the Apostle Paul is saying, number one, you need to take heed to yourself. Number two, he said, you need to take heed to the Scriptures. Number three, he's saying you need to take heed to your Christian steadfastness. We need to serve the Lord come what may. I would encourage you to read sometime the parables in Matthew chapter 13. One of the parables that Jesus teaches is the parable of the soils. And there are four different types of soil which represent four different types of human hearts. Unfortunately, only one heart, one soil, was said to be productive or fruitful. And so again, the danger of falling prey to the devil, the need to be steadfast, true to Christianity, true to the Lord, faithful to the Lord. And we can only do this by maintaining our course, steady as she goes. And then fourthly, Paul said, Take heed to yourself, to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Here we have the idea of salvation. And we're talking about eternal salvation. What is Christianity all about? What does it mean to you? To me, it simply means that we have before us the hope of heaven. The reason we become Christians is because we want to be forgiven. We want to have a relationship with the Lord. We want Him blessing us in this life. And ultimately, we want the hope of life eternal. So that's why we become a Christian. That's why we serve the Lord. Well, again, we think about how some of these points overlap or correlate one with another. Faithfulness to the Lord. Faithfulness is what will ensure us the hope of life eternal. In James chapter 1, James pictures the various trials that confront us in this life. Some of those trials are outward in nature. Things like illness, disease, financial setbacks, the loss of a job human sorrow, all of these things are outward trials. But then he talks about those inward temptations common to all people. The temptations imposed upon us by the devil. And Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so we face outward trials, inward temptations, but in verse 12, James said, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. By living a faithful, godly life in Christ Jesus, we have the hope of eternal life. We have before us the crown of life, the Stephanos. When Jesus evaluated the seven churches of Asia... In chapter 2 at verse 10, the exhortation, be faithful until death. That is, even in the face of death, you stay true to God and what? I'll give you the Stephanos, the victor's crown, the crown of life. That's what we aspire for today. We want the victor's crown. We want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, how are we going to hear those words? By living for the Lord? staying true to Him, by taking heed to 
itself by taking heed to the scriptures, by taking heed to being steadfast in the faith, and in so doing, the promise is salvation. Listen again to the words of Paul. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Do you want to go to heaven? Better yet, do you have the hope of heaven as we speak? There are a lot of people in our world today, they do not have the hope of heaven. I think about people in our world that do not believe in God. And sometimes individuals in the world in which we live today, they're very vocal about their disbelief in spiritual things and in God. But you know, at some point in time in this veil of tears, we all face our mortality. And sometimes individuals who have been so vocal in their disbelief as they grow older in life, as they see their human body begin to wear down and wear out, they begin to look at life a little bit differently. I read not long ago about an individual, a very famous person, who I would imagine he's either an atheist or an agnostic. And he made the statement, I could see how religion could be very comforting. Christianity is intended to comfort the hearts of people. How bleak it would be to, to come to the end of this physical life without any kind of hope, without any hope for a better day, a better tomorrow. I do not know how many funerals I've attended. I have no idea of knowing how many funerals I've had the opportunity to, to preach. But when you preach, you have the privilege and the opportunity of doing a lot of funerals. It's always comforting to do the funeral of a Christian, of a saint. Because John said, blessed are those who die in the Lord, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Christianity is intended to comfort us. It's intended to be an aid to us as we live here on planet Earth. There are some people, they have divorced themselves of the idea of God. They have, they have divorced themselves from the idea of the Word of God. And let me tell you, those people in many respects are miserable. But you and I, because of our belief in the Lord, because of our conviction in Jehovah God, we look forward to a better day. And we know that there is before us the hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began, Titus 1 at verse 2. And so my encouragement to you tonight, Take heed. Take heed to yourself. Take heed to the scriptures. Take heed to your steadfastness, and in so doing, enjoy eternal salvation. If you're here tonight, you're not a Christian, I plead to you, come to Christ. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. John 10, verse 10. The Lord will give you an abundant life, a quality life. That quality life is found only in Jesus Christ. 
What would you need to do to become a New Testament Christian? Well, first of all, you need to be born again. Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 at verse 5. The new birth consists of believing that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repenting of your sins, Luke 13, verse 3. Confessing his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. And then being buried with him in a watery grave of baptism. Dying to the love and the practice of sin. Rising to walk in newness of life as pictured by Paul in Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. When you do that, the Lord will then add you to the church, Acts 2, 47. And if you're faithful, as we said, the Lord will bestow on you the crown of life. If you're unfaithful, why not come home? Why not come back to the Lord who desires the salvation of your eternal soul? Why not do it tonight before it's eternally too late as we stand, as we stand and sing for your encouragement?